My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. Sunscreen, check. Towel, check. Sunglasses and hat, check. Water bottle, check. Bluetooth speaker, check, but I may not need it if anyone else is there. Going to your apartment's pool is one of summer's easy wonders that most people either take for granted or take all too much advantage of. While spending an afternoon at the pool isn't most people's idea of a perfect way to spend a summer weekend, it's often a nice reprieve from the monotony of simply doing nothing in your actual apartment. Even if it's just for an hour before heading out somewhere, a little sun and a little peace makes everyone feel just a bit more relaxed and rejuvenated. But as relaxing and low maintenance as these jaunts can be, the brief trip from pad to pool is normally worth it until it's not. And when it's not, well that's when the pool is packed to the gills with those people from your complex you'd rather pass in the hallway rather than pass a hard seltzer to. These, my friends, are everyone you'll see at your apartment pool this summer. Our first candidate, the girl with the annoying dog. Of course, she doesn't have the dog there, and she couldn't bring her dog to the pool due to regulations barring that from ever happening. But still, as you watch her page through a gossip magazine with tacky sunglasses on, you can't help but hope that she doesn't start talking to you if you get in the pool near her. The last thing you need is the rest of the people here thinking that you're a sympathizer for her barking dog at the dog park or in her apartment all the time. That poolside relationship could bleed over into the dog park, and then you're her go-to conversationalist every single time you see one another. Keep your distance, wave hello, and keep your AirPods in when you get near. We also have the Coleman Cooler guy, who looks straight ahead the entire time and never talks to anybody at the pool. Dedicated to his craft of drinking light beers, he's rolling solo to the pool outside of his cooler that's filled to the brim. He's there for a long time and a good time, but the look on his face would never indicate this. Through his Oakleys, he gazes forward sip after sip without deviating from his routine. He may dip into the water once every 30 minutes to cool off, but never too long to stop him from going back to his chair, putting a koozie over his light domestic beer, and going to town. He leaves and he gives you the affirmative head nod while doing so, but not an actual interaction with him, which is actually kind of nice, mainly just because he's in the zone. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have the apartment besties. They met at an apartment-sponsored cook-off last November and have been inseparable ever since. Interests include Wines Days, complaining about their noisy neighbors via text, doing recipe shares, and of course, dishing about all the apartment gossip at the pool for all to hear. Mama's getting loose today, one might say, after her second crystal light and vodka out of a Tervis tumbler. Together, they know the entire lay of the land when it comes to the complex. No one is safe from their dishing, especially you who has avoided conversation with each of them every time you see them in the hall or in the mail room. They've already texted each other that you're there, and no, that's not a good thing because they would much rather be talking about you. Oh, and what's that noise coming from the deep end? Ah yes, that's Pitbull featuring Kesha coming from a Bluetooth speaker the size of the aforementioned Coleman cooler. Tan, muscly, taken care of, he looks right out of Love Island, which is the opposite of a compliment in this scenario. With blatant disregard for human life, he plays party jams despite the fact that the pool is filled with people trying to keep to themselves for the day. Let me know if you need to turn it down a little bit, he says nicely as you walk by, but you and him both know that that won't ever happen and you're more likely to abandon the pool altogether instead. And then there's the sun seekers. They're the most inconspicuous of the pool goers, but possibly the most annoying. With one goal and one goal only in mind, they'll get the maximum amount of sun at any cost. 
They know the layout of the chairs and how they're each affected by the sun's path. They know that this side of the pool is better in the afternoon and that side of the pool is better in the morning. And they'll lay their stuff out ahead of time to ensure that they can take advantage of it. If there's a good spot for the sun, they hover like vultures to ensure that they leave as tan as humanly possible. And if not, you'll hear them dragging the beach chair across the pavement toward you. That excruciating noise is the international signal for it's about to be shady over in this area, but it also means that they're about to encroach on your personal space. And then we also have the outsider. They may be staying with a friend who's working that day, a babysitter who has the apartment code, or even just a poacher who was told by their friend who lives there, no, no, it's totally fine if you come and use the pool without me. Nobody will even notice. They're on high alert the entire time for fear of being kicked out, but fortunately for them, there's no lifeguard on duty and no one who works there actually cares about taking up that valuable real estate even if you don't live there. They're quiet, they keep to themselves, and they'll never bother you, but they definitely confuse you with sketchy vibes the entire time as you wonder how you've never seen them around the complex before. And then finally, there's you. Whether you're hungover from the night before or simply trying to avoid work on a sunny Friday afternoon, you're posted up for the next 90 minutes or so because you've got nothing better to do. Hoping to avoid any actual conversation with people around you, you never take your sunglasses off because eye contact could draw someone in, which is worst case scenario. Hoping and praying that no one takes any of the empty chairs next to you, you set your stuff on one of them to deter them as if you're, a Southwest, you're on a Southwest flight and your travel partner is in the C boarding group while you're in the A boarding group. But just when you think you're in the clear, you hear a voice. Hey, I always see you around the apartment, they say while introducing themselves. Your worst fears have come to life as the girl with the annoying dog unrolls her towel and throws it down next to you. Because just like that, you know very much that it's time to leave. Squeaky doors, clogged sinks, finicky engines. When things break around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you just try not to think about it. Come on, what are you waiting for? Just get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash Scaries now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and, most importantly, very discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash scaries and can complete an online visit. That's GetRoman.com slash scaries. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and just get it taken care of. Go to GetRoman.com slash scaries now and you'll get $15 off of your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. And remember, to get started today, you'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment at GetRoman.com slash Scaries. Sometimes life can feel out of control, and sometimes regaining that control is as simple as purchasing something that makes you feel good. That in itself is the basis for how retail therapy affects our brains. Stress, more often than not, stems from the uncertainty we find ourselves in. Did that interview go as well as I thought it did? How much did I spend at the bar last night? Is no one texting me back from last night because I did something stupid? But in stepping into a store and buying something, that stress seems to melt away because you're making a decision and immediately receiving something in exchange. The nicer the product, the more pleased we become with ourselves. And even though a splurge purchase may come back and haunt us after the fact, in that moment, it always seems to solve everything. This week, I'm introducing a new segment, Worth the Splurge, where I'll take high-end items that we all want, but definitely not items that we all need. 
Using the company credit card, I selfishly purchase certain items that are simply too expensive to justify on a hungover Sunday, and I report back my findings for this. The good, the bad, and the bougie, nothing is off limits when it comes to curing your nagging hangover. And this week, we turn our heads to a brand that I've mentioned numerous times on the program before, Aesop. You know them as the trademark hand soap company that seems to be in every hotel lobby bathroom, but they refer to themselves as offering skin, hair, and body care formulations created with meticulous attention to detail and with efficacy and sensory pleasure in mind. The brand has been more prominent over the last few years in the States, but it hasn't always been that way. As the New York Times said, founded by a Melbourne hairdresser in 1987, Aesop gained a steady international following in the ensuing decades for its cerebral, pair-backed approach to skincare. Not until 2009, though, when the company took back control of its global distribution, including vetting every restaurant and cafe that stocks its soap, did its sales escalate into the stratosphere. And now, it's seemingly everywhere. With just a brief once over their site, you'll soon understand how this falls into the splurge category. $45 for shampoo, $39 for hand soap, $110 for a scented candle, and even $39 for their dog soap, which is described as a mild skin and fur wash with deodorizing properties, cleansing gently yet thoroughly while calming sensitive skin, something I don't think any dogs actually need. The products I'll be reviewing today, however, are some of their most popular. The Geranium Leaf Body Cleanser, the Nurturing Shampoo, and their trademark Resurrection Aromatique Hand Wash. Let's begin with the body cleanser. At $45, it's described as an invigorating gentle gel cleanser formulated with oils of mandarin and bergamot rind to banish grime and thoroughly refresh the skin. Sorry about that. It's truly a scent for anyone, and I do really, really love it. When it comes to any bath product, I essentially have one goal when it comes to my shower. I want all things to smell like I'm in a spa, and this accomplishes it tenfold. It arrived in a 16.9 ounce bottle, which had me slightly worried that I would breeze through it. However, that wasn't really the case at all. I'm continually surprised by how little I can use with a loofah, yet still have enough to lather and wash my entire body. It comes out clear, feeling almost like a hand soap more than a body wash, but as you lather it in, you soon realize that it's a lot more. Lathery with a ton of suds, one squirt seemingly lasts forever, which means I don't feel a sense of financial dread every time I use it somehow. From a scent point of view, it's pretty much perfect in the beginning, but loses steam as you continue to wash yourself off. I wouldn't say it's a major flaw, as I'm assuming my nose is just getting used to it, but overall, I kind of wish the scent lingered a little bit more, considering that's why you spend the majority of the money on it. Next, we have the nurturing shampoo. Mint, herbaceous, and nutty, the nurturing shampoo will set you back the same amount as the body wash, around $45 retail if you don't have any promo codes. They describe themselves as a blend of nourishing and conditioning botanical extracts, including borage and grapeseed oils, hydrate and they tame the hair, leaving it glossy and soft. I had no clue what borage actually was, but it turns out it's an herbaceous plant with bright blue flowers and hairy leaves that aids in fever, cough, and depression. It also smells good, because in this case, it's purely a scent-driven ingredient. Unless I'm sweating an abnormal amount or working out a lot, I don't really like to shampoo my hair more than a few days a week. And previously, my high-end shampoo of choice was Kiehl's Amino Acid Shampoo with Coconut Oil. And coming in at about three quarters of the price of the Aesop shampoo, it's very likely to stay that way. Out of the bottle, the actual shampoo's composition was surprisingly milky. At first, I didn't love the feel of it, but I've since kind of gotten used to it. What I haven't gotten used to, however, is how much it stings your eyes if even the slightest amount gets in or near them. 
This is a problem I haven't encountered with shampoo in years, really since I was a little kid, so I think it's a legitimate concern moving forward. As far as my hair's cleanliness after a few washes, I can't say I really feel one way or the other about it. The minty scent is very, very nice, but not so much that I'm looking forward to it every time I take a shower. But finally, we have the main event, their trademark Resurrection Aromatique Hand Wash. Full disclosure, I actually purchased this for myself, or I guess my wife, on Mother's Day, and we've been using it regularly ever since. Due to the steep $39 price tag, we've kept it in our lower traffic bathroom in hopes of keeping it around for a while as opposed to just letting everyone else use it. Mandarin rind, rosemary leaf, and cedar all combined for a superior hand washing experience. And after a year of washing my hands thoroughly more times than I would have liked to, I will say that my hands feel less dried out than they did for most of 2020. Much like the other two products, a single pump goes a very long way, a surprisingly long way even. And in terms of being worth it or not, that fact actually shifts me in the direction more than anything else. It comes out of the bottle clear with no foam, but that's something I actually prefer. I don't really like when it's self-foaming. And when it comes to the range of products I've tried now, I admittedly think this one smells the best, and I actually get excited to wash my hands whenever I do it. The only issue is that washing your hands is as much more of a, it's much more of a brief experience than washing your hair or body, so the pleasure of using this soap simply isn't prolonged as much as I'd like. When it comes to being worth the splurge, let's get down to brass tacks. My ranking for the products themselves are as follows. Number three, the shampoo. Number two, the body wash. And number one, the hand soap. But in terms of the products that I'm most likely to buy again, the body wash is probably the most likely to get the nod if we're rebuying something. The shampoo's fatal flaws that it stings the eyes too much when I've used it. This is something that I'm, I'm sensitive to, I guess, so it's really a deal breaker for me. Sure, I'll finish the bottle, but I don't think I'm gonna miss it when it's gone. As far as the hand soap goes, it's delightful, but simply not worth the price tag of $45 per bottle, even if you're trying to absolutely splurge on something. Would it be a nice housewarming gift for someone? Absolutely, but you're probably better off refilling a high-end bottle with low-end soap moving forward. And as far as the body wash, I think it has to be my pick of the bunch. The length of the lather, the amount needed, the scent, it all combines for an overall pleasant experience that I enjoy every single time that I use it. But the real question is, are any of these products actually worth splurging on? Unfortunately for Aesop, I think my answer is no. They're enjoyable high-end luxury products, but they're competitor products out there for much less that are equally as luxe without costing nearly as much. Don't get me wrong, if any of these products are in a restaurant, bathroom, or hotel room, I'm going to use as much as I possibly can of them without being reckless, or maybe just getting a little reckless too. But for in-home use, it's um, unless someone else is footing the bill, I'd recommend saving your money and going with something a little less posh. So if you don't mind me, I'm gonna be spending the next few hours trying to find which competitor shampoo and body wash smell the closest to Aesop so I can refill my empty bottles with it on the cheap. And I don't think that's something I should be ashamed of. Who hasn't been there? You're standing in the wine aisle, staring at the shelves. Do you want a California red? Maybe one from Oregon, something organic? Maybe just one with a really nice label. There are so many times that you're just standing in the grocery store and you have no idea where to go or what to do because the, the selection is just so overwhelming and large. But thankfully, there's First Leaf, a better way to discover wine at a fraction of the price that you'll find in a store. First Leaf is a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. And they have more award-winning wine than anyone else. With First Leaf, there's no guesswork, no misguided recommendations from an employee who doesn't know what you like, and no frustration on your part. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your unique palate and your preferences. 
Unlike big box wine membership, First Leaf uses a one-of-a-kind algorithm in your feedback to curate future wine recommendations for you. The more wines you taste and review, the better the shipments get. I did my first ever shipment and I, I liked almost every single wine. And the one that I didn't like, I ended up just taking it out on my next shipment and I got a wine that was tailored to me based on the other ones that I did enjoy. Signing up was so simple and then now I have my profile made and every single month I get six bottles of wine that are just phenomenal for me. First Leaf works directly with the world's best winemakers, not only to find the best wines available, but to pass on savings to you with savings up to 60% off retail. There are so many highlights for first leaf that I can't even, you know, get into the convenience, the varietals of wine, just unboxing it at the beginning of every month is just a great fun mail day. The flexibility of the subscription is super easy. And my favorite box of wine so far just had a bunch of summer reds in it that we're kind of chipping through right now. Save time, save money, and save stress with First Leaf, the wine club designed with you in mind. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash scaries. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash scaries. I was late to watching The Sopranos, but I eventually got there. Watching Tony describe his anxiety in the pilot as having ginger ale in his skull, well, it made sense to me even though it really didn't. Before diving into the show, I had no idea what the premise actually was, outside of simply knowing that it was a mob drama. But as soon as Tony sat down with Dr. Malfi, I knew that I'd probably end up seeing the series through. When I was in elementary school, I didn't exactly have a lot of confidence. I remember going to the guidance counselor's office more than other kids probably do. It wasn't a daily thing or anything, but I really don't remember my friends going even once, whereas I found myself there almost weekly. It was at, at that early age that I realized the benefit of having someone to discuss your anxieties, insecurities, and concerns with. But it wasn't until a few months before I married my now wife that I ever found myself in a place that even resembles a counselor or therapist's office ever again. We had decided to do premarital counseling, not for any reason other than we had heard about good experiences from our friends, and truthfully, it was honestly pretty easy. The topics we covered were important, but they weren't exactly weighing us down. Every few weeks, we sat down with our therapist and we talked about what was on our minds that week. We took tests and surveys to see what kind of people we were on paper, and we had really truly bought in. Prior to the last five years when wellness and mental health have really found themselves at the forefront of people's minds, I don't think I fully understood how the relationship between Tony Soprano and Dr. Melfi had an effect on me. I'm by no means a Soprano stan or expert, but those scenes were the scenes I found myself looking forward to the most whenever I would watch the show. Did it make therapy more approachable for me? Did it somewhat normalize it? Would I be as open to going to therapy if I had never watched that show? If you look on Twitter these days, you'll see a bunch of tweets from people just like me discussing how much they enjoy their therapist. And while that also normalizes it too, I sometimes roll my eyes thinking, okay, we get it, you go to therapy. I shouldn't dislike that something so mental health driven is popular and in vogue to talk about on a social media platform, but I used to cringe thinking about how some people flipped their therapy sessions into Twitter clout. But then things kind of changed for me. I got married, the pandemic hit. I, like everyone else, found myself feeling isolated and a little different. And as things began to open up again, I noticed a difference in my mood, in my demeanor. These weren't huge differences, but they were differences that I knew I needed to confront head on so that they didn't, they didn't turn into actual issues. I was concerned about it a little bit. But with the clearance of my wife and the nod of approval from our premarital counselor, I got approved by each of them to start doing individualized sessions. Mostly, probably monthly, sometimes every two months, I found myself taking an afternoon off and really lean into those sessions. 
I'd have a list of things in my notes app. Sometimes we'd get to it all. Sometimes we'd never get to any of it. But the one thing that remained consistent throughout it was the feeling that I had after leaving. Remember that feeling you had after walking out of a big final exam? All the nights of studying and worrying remained firmly in the past because over the last hour, you took everything you thought you knew and you dumped it into that test. And after handing it over to the teacher or professor, you exit the room with a unique feeling coursing through your veins. Relief that it's over, that what do I do with my time now feeling that just feels so incredible, and hopefully, an intuition that everything went all right. But it's that overlying sense of relief that sticks with me. That's over, that I've done it, that I no longer need to worry about the things I was carrying with me as I entered the room. I know, I know, they aren't totally similar. With classes and exams, you learn things you're probably never going to use again. You take the test, you forget most of the information, and then you move on. But with therapy, things are just a little bit different. The studying is an acknowledgement of issues that have popped up in my life. The session is the test itself. But unlike washing your hands of useless information after the test, there's the tacit expectation that you need to keep working on these issues after a therapy session. The work's not always done, but the feeling of accomplishment still remains. On those days when I get out of a session, I find myself stewing over them for hours on end after. And that's not in a bad way, but almost in the way of a kid who just learned something new. I just want to take that skill or change in thinking, and I want to apply it to other aspects of my life. If I were a Boy Scout, I'd be running around to all the parents showing everyone my, look, I sorted out all my problems badge. It's not something I ever thought I'd need, therapy. And maybe need is a strong word considering how long I've survived without it. But now that I know how good I can possibly feel with just a little investment into my mental health, I don't think there's any looking back. And whether or not Tony Soprano or Dr. Melfi helped normalize that for me, I simply hope that there are enough avenues out there for others who, to have it normalized for them, whether their skull is full of ginger ale or not. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow me on Twitter, at SundayScaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at WillDefreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.